Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. What a, a 24 hours it's been. Um, some of you know, you've already seen the news, there was another shooting in uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, early this morning. And so that's two mass shootings within the course of 24 hours. That's uh, kind of hard to imagine uh, with <clears throat> all the, the shootings and stuff we've already had in our nation. But I just want to remind all of us that in Second Timothy it says that evil men will become worse in the end times. And uh, lawlessness will abound, the Bible says. And so um, I'm not looking for a political position because I don't believe there's a political problem. I believe there's a, a, a problem with uh, what our country is doing with the Lord uh, and has done with the Lord, with His Word. And so um, I think that, you know, because guns have been around for a lot longer than these people who are, who are rising up these days. They've been around a lot longer than most of us and so uh, but when you stop telling kids that wrong is wrong and you stop teaching them that there are moral absolutes and there are absolute rights and absolute wrongs based on what God says uh, then they begin to do what they think is right or what they think that they can get by with or what they think is allowed and uh, is not a big deal to them and so uh, we have trained up a couple of generations now of, of young people becoming adults uh, with saying you know what you don't need the Lord, you don't need Jesus, you don't need the Word of God, and, and we're starting to see some of the fruits of that in our, even in our own nation. And so um, I prayed for them this morning, those two um, cities and the people involved in that, and those who have lost their loved ones, and prayed for the churches in those areas to be able to uh, be the hands and the feet of the Lord. And I encourage you to do the same. Uh, I want to do that as a church this morning as well. But um, man, there's got to be not just the church rising up to help them but the church has got to rise up and be the influence the salt and the light that god has called us to be and um you know if we've got to go to um school board meetings and we've got to do whatever we've got to do we've got to make sure that that teaching uh, isn't completely abandoned and i think in most regards in, in the public square it is abandoned but um our forefathers said a long time ago if we ever leave god out that's the moment that our our nation starts going down and uh, that's, that's what's happening. So a lot of people say, why is this happening right now? I think it's a culmination of things. Again, we're at the end of the end times. Again, the Bible says that evil men will increase and become worse. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many are going to wax cold. In other words, people's hearts are going to be hardened. Uh, there's going to be all these things happening in the end times, uh, number one. But number two, a part of that is, again, I think what we have done, and, and specifically maybe the church has not done, in the last uh, century or, or so, but um, I don't know if it's a century or not, but I think it's getting close to that. <laughs> um, and so I, I, um, I want to pray this morning before we get going uh, for that, and uh, then we'll get into all this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Uh, Lord, we um, thank you for even that last song. Lord, we know that uh, we go through struggles, and we have things that we deal with, and uh, Lord, you know the numbers of the hair on our heads. You know um, our lives. You, you tell us in your word that you know our hearts. You try the reins of our hearts. And uh, so, Lord, you know what we're going through. We know even 
uh, the tragedies that are, have happened in the last 24 hours and the people who are dealing with loss and confusion and so many questions and, and again, just m- meaningless violence and, and murder. Um, God, to us, we, we see this, and, and uh, again, it's, it's difficult. Um, but Lord, we also see this with the reality of, of where we are in our world, even as, as in our nation, a nation that was very clearly founded upon moral principles that are found in your word. Again, there are no moral principles apart from your word. You give us morality, God. You, you are the source of morality. You are the one. And so um, to disregard that uh, is a, a death sentence for a nation. And Lord, I, I feel like that our nation in, in so many ways in the government and the public square and the public schools and universities is trying to completely shut you out and in some regards have, has already done that. And so, Lord, we, uh, we're begging for your mercy. We're asking for your help. Uh, not only intervene and help these families and these cities and, and the churches in these areas, uh, but God, help us even as your people. Lord, not to just get so complacent with living a comfortable lifestyle that this world is all that matters to us, God. I pray that we would be living on mission, an eternal mission, your mission, God, with, with an eternal perspective. God, living our light as, uh, lives as light and salt, making a difference, pointing people to you, standing on truth, being unashamed in our witness. And God, that you would use us, uh, even if we don't think that we're making a difference, God, we, we just want to be vessels that you use, uh, even in this area. Because we know if we sit idly by and we just live comfortable lifestyles, we, we realize that uh, there's going to be a sweeping, even, even across Fort Worth, Texas, uh, that takes place. And God, help us to uh, stand for right. Help us stand for you. Uh, help us to, uh, to be who you've called us to be. Again, Lord, we lift these up. Who, who have lost loved ones and are dealing with injuries. I know there's so many that are in hospitals right now. Uh, God, we, we pray for them. Lord, we pray that you would heal them, and God, that you would show yourself to them even during this time of, of uh, difficulty for them and their families as well. And uh, Lord, we pray you meet with us this morning. God, as we've already prayed, we ask that this morning, as your word is spoken, God, that your, your will is accomplished. And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, they don't have an intimate walk with you, or that today would be a day they enter into that. They'd experience forgiveness, they'd experience grace, they'd, they'd receive that free gift of eternal life that only you can give. And uh, Lord, just, just stir our hearts this morning, we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a couple things before we jump into that, uh, jump into this. I want to appreci- uh, appreciate everybody who's already signed up for the groups um, this morning. As we open them up this morning before service, I know some of you jumped on that early. And I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. That's my wife's fault. Y'all, y'all can blame her. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No groups are open. Everybody's phones are falling out of their hands. No, 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 no. Groups are not open yet. We haven't done that yet. We will do that immediately after this service, and uh, I need to pray again, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, um, some are saying amen, that's right, at the altar. Yeah. But um, no, we, we are having that this morning. Um, right after service, again, we don't have a particular time, we're not doing that. We're going to sing a, a final song at the end of the invitation, and uh, after that song's over, we'll open that up, and so... Uh, we do want you to be here. I want you to, to rejoice with us as we end the service today in that last song. 
And then again, uh, open up those church center apps after the service. You'll see those groups that are available uh, at the times. The description's on there, the group leader's on there, the day and the time's on there uh, when you open that up and you'll be able to uh, request to join those groups. Again, hopefully you already did that. If you have a question about that, we're gonna have a couple of our uh, staff members over at the Guest Connect Center. And so if you need help signing up on a group or if you have a question about the, uh, the, uh, the app or need help with that, then you can go over there and we'll do everything you can. Something I said Wednesday night, just wanna remind everybody about. This is our first run at this as a church, our first go at this. Uh, so it's brand new to all of us. And so I ask you to just operate and let the fruits of the Spirit come out this morning, okay? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Uh, so all of those things we want to make sure uh, that we do. Just be patient in the process. So I tried to join the group and it wouldn't let me. Just don't, don't, don't get up. Just calm, calm it down, calm it down. Everybody calm it down, okay? Listen. <laughs> Let's just go with it like that, and, and, and we'll, we'll get this thing launched, and we'll go from now until the end of the year, and, uh, and then we'll kind of look at it again at the end of the year. So if you say, man, I don't, I didn't, it didn't go the way I wanted to go, again, we've been praying, God, have your way in this, God, uh, just do whatever you want to do through this, and so just be willing to be a vessel, however God wants to use you in whatever group, be connected in whatever group God places you in, because we're a church family. And uh, again, it's good to be connected to everybody. We just have opportunity in these groups uh, to be more intimately and intentionally connected. And so uh, that's going to be after service, not already. So uh, last week we were in this message life and we looked at the second point of uh, the message I started three weeks ago. And that second life point was don't miss the greatest blessing of relationship with God while you're searching for his blessings. And again, it's so easy to search or to be in search of what God can do for you or what you need him to do for you or what prayers you need him, what ways you need to intervene for him. And we can get so consumed on God working on our behalf, which God does. We know that's true. And we can miss this, this great, amazing blessing that we have a relationship with the God of all creation, the God that actually designed us created us, the God that gave us life, that not only gave us life on this earth in these physical bodies, but gave us eternal life. He died for it, he rose again, and he offers us a free gift of eternal life. So we can have a relationship with that God. There's nothing in this life that compares to that blessing. There's nothing in this life that compares with having the, the relationship with the God that gave you life. I mean, that's an amazing blessing that, again, nothing can compare Oh, and, I, and, and to kind of give us an illustration, think about this. Think about, as you look back in history, certain things that uh, have been invented that you think, man, I am so thankful that this was invented. And we even say things like this, if I could shake the person's hand who invented this, I would. I mean, it'd be so impactful to know the person that created certain things. Now, I, I, as, as the Lord kind of put this on my heart, started doing some different researches, and, and I started thinking, what are some things that we are really appreciative for? I, I'm sorry, but one of the things I thought every single one of us used just about every single day is a toilet. <laughs> and I thought, you know, you go to some other places that don't have toilets, and you realize how quick you love the toilets we have here, <laughs> right? And you realize you go to another place and you can't really flush the toilet, you got to use buckets or you got you start thinking man 
I, I would shake that person's hand. And, uh, and so, again, there's so many different things that we look at in this world that we think, man, it's an amazing, again, air conditioning, right? Oh, man. Let the air conditioner go out for a little while, right? In the middle of Texas summer? Oh, no. Like, God, thank you for air conditioning. God didn't give it to us, but God allowed somebody to, to invent it. Again, we, we think about these things, and, and again, meeting the people that invent these things uh, would be so much more impactful than uh, just saying, oh, so-and-so invented it. If you knew the person who invented something, you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Um, another thing that I thought of is when I was 10 years old, we went to, uh, I went on a field trip in Connecticut, and it was to Noah Webster's uh, childhood home. And it, I was 10 years old, and, and I thought, man, this is so awesome. This is so cool, because what had happened is he was born there, was raised there, and then um, some people actually lived in it, I think up until like 1929 or somewhere around that time. And then they gave it back to the family to turn into a museum. And it's been a museum uh, for many, many years. Again, I went there about 30 years ago. And uh, I, I just remember being captivated as a little boy. This is no, I mean, you know, they, they tell you the history. He's a, you know, the, founder, the father of, of the, the modern American dictionary. And, and he, sh- he helped shape academia in, in early America, and even leading up to today. I mean, so much influence. And, and I think, man, how often have we been needing to know what something meant? And we can thank Mr. Webster for his diligent work in putting together dictionaries. You know, again, I, I know I've used that for, for many, many years. And again, just an amazing moment. But to be able to meet Noah Webster would be even greater than to see his boyhood home. Uh, again, that interaction, that, in, that individual uh, connection is such an impactful thing. But that's the case with any relationship. You know, we talk about relationships, we talk about connection. Uh, to have a personal encounter with someone is way more impactful. I'll give you an, another example. Um, there's, through the years, I've bought many CDs, and now these days, we don't buy CDs, we download music. Um, but I've done that. I've bought CDs, bought tapes, bought, you know, downloaded music before. And then you, you, you hear, hear a song, hear a song, <laughs> you hear a song on the radio, and you think, oh, man, I got to have that song. I want to hear that. I want to I listen to that more often. Um, and and it's, it's great when you have it. But there's something else that's even more impactful that makes that song even more personal and, and more enjoyable to you. And that is when you go to a concert. Some of you know what I mean. You can hear a song on the radio a hundred times. But then you go to a live concert and you're like, this is awesome. Like you're screaming and singing and, and, and it's, again, that, that more personal encounter is something that's way more impactful in our lives. And so with all that this morning, if we've encountered the creator God, if, if we have been in a relationship, if we've entered into a relationship with him because we've placed faith in Jesus Christ, we have that personal relationship with him. There's no way that our lives have not been changed or impacted. Our perspectives haven't been changed. Again, you can't encounter the God of all creation and your life not be changed. Just like you can't go to a concert and, and oh man, that song is, I love that song even more. Go and, and, and meet somebody who invented something. Wow, this means a lot more knowing that, that this is the person who invented this. And this morning, I'm going to see a little bit more about these correlations about Joseph's life and, and our life here on earth and, and how this connection and how uh, what God did back then and what he's doing today 
uh, can help us. And so uh, if you got your Bibles, turn over to Genesis chapter 46, and we're going to continue on in this. And uh, I, I thought about not putting this section of Scripture in, in this study. One reason is because there's a lot of weird names. And I thought, yeah, I'm just going to be stumbling over my words. But there's some, there's some important things that we'll get over here. And so we'll look at it. Verse 8 is where we're going to pick up. Genesis 46. And these are the names of the children of Israel. Remember, Israel is the name of Jacob. God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so now it says, which came into Egypt, Jacob, same, same person, Israel, Jacob, and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanak, Falu, Hezron, you can laugh if, if I say something and car me, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohai, Jakim, Zohar, Shaul, the son of the Canaanitish woman, the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kotheth, Merari, Merari, there you go, Ferrari, Merari, uh, and the sons of Judah, Ur and Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. And the sons of Perez and Hezron, and Hamul, and the sons of Issachar, and Tola, and uh, Fuba, Job, Shimron, see, told you, and the sons of Zebulun, Sered, and Elon, and Jalil, the son, these be the sons of Leah, Woo! that's one lady, which she bare unto Jacob uh, in Paden Aram with, uh, with his daughter Dinah, all the sons, uh, souls of his sons and his daughters were thirty and three. The sons of Gad, uh, Ziphion, Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Arodi, and uh, Areli. Areli. And the sons of Asher, Jimna, Ishua, Isui, <laughs> Bariah, and Sarah, their sister, and the sons of Bariah, Heber, and Melchiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter, and she bare unto Jacob even sixteen souls. <sighs> I'm not going to read the rest. I was just going <laughs> to go through some of it. Uh, but if you go through all of these, these um, the wives of Jacob and the handmaidens, which we know that he married Leah and Rachel, and they had handmaidens, and he had daughters, or sons and daughters, by them as well. And so you skip down to verse 27, and it says, And the sons of Joseph, which were born him in Egypt, were two souls. And all the souls of the house of Jacob, which came into Egypt, were threescore and ten. Now, if you go back to verse 26, it says that all the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins, besides Jacob's sons' wives, all the souls were threescore and six. So, you have two numbers there. You have 66 and you have 70. In this account, you see all of the descendants, again, of the wives and also the handmaidens. You also see those who were already in Egypt and those who traveled to Egypt. And so I, I put it on a, the breakdown. You throw that up there. Leah's children and grandchildren, according to verse 15, 33. All right, remember, Leah was the one that he didn't want. Leah was the one that he was tricked by his father-in-law and ended up uh, marrying and then, again, beginning to have children by her. Rachel was the one that he actually wanted, that he actually loved, and that he wanted to have children with, but didn't have children until later on with her. 
And so in the meanwhile, we know that these handmaidens were given as well. Zilpah is one of those, 16 children and grandchildren. Then you have the Rachel, who he loved, 14. Uh, Bilhah's children and grandchildren, 7. And so all of that together is 70. But he mentions Dinah in there as well, which gives you one more. That gives you 71. But it says that there were 70 people that were with him in Egypt. And so if you look at Ur and Onan, who died in Canaan, Joseph and his two sons that were already in Egypt, so that's three. So then you take away five. So 71 from five, there you go, gives you 66. Then you include Joseph and his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and Jacob himself. That gives you a total of 70 people that were a part of Jacob's family there in, in, uh, in, in um, Egypt. Now there's, that number 70 may not mean a big deal to you. But again, 70 people is who God started, who God used, God instituted uh, his nation there with, uh, in Israel, I mean in, in Egypt. In the New Testament, God commissioned 70. It's just interesting how the Lord sometimes correlates between the Testaments, uh, his work. And sometimes you can see those, those pictures of, uh, of God's working there. But I don't want to get too much into that. But it, moving forward in, in the text, verse 28, he sent Judah before him unto Joseph to direct his face to Goshen. Remember, that's the, the area of Egypt that was promised by Pharaoh. That was the area that uh, the, the land was good for um, cattle. It was a good place to, to live. And so that's where Pharaoh said, you can bring your, your family and y'all can have that area, the land of Goshen. Joseph made ready his chariot, went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck and he wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said unto Joseph, now... Let me die since I have seen thy face because thou art yet alive. Wow. I, I, you see something like that again. And again, we've talked about in this study, we've talked about reconciliation. We've talked about the importance of personal relationship with God. We've talked about our earthly relationships. We've talked about uh, God's promises. We've talked about God's blessings. We, we've talked about all those things. And when you look at this encounter of Jacob, the father of Joseph, who thought he was dead for well over two decades, finally getting to see his son, who, again, he thought was dead, but he's actually alive. And not only that, think about that. I know there's an there's a earthly pride that we have as parents. We want our kids to do well. That's, 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 that's what happens in, 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 our, in our hearts, in our fleshly minds. We want our kids to do well. And I don't think that's necessarily a spiritually wrong thing. But again, I'm talking about fleshly and earthly and worldly motivated. We want our kids to do well. We don't think in our minds, well, they should suffer. You know? and we don't think like that for our kids. And so for Joseph to have been raised to this place of governor, or what we, would, what we know now as the prince of all of Egypt, I mean, can you imagine how full Jacob's heart was to finally see his son after two decades? The one he thought was dead, he's actually alive, but not only is he alive, He's actually taking care of the entire nation of Egypt, the ruling nation in that region uh, at this point in time. What an amazing, overwhelming experience for, this, for, for Jacob. And I, and I say that because I, I say it for, for many different reasons. Not just because his son was still alive, not just because uh, his son was the prince of all of Egypt, but for so many other things. There's so much wrapped up in this one reunion of Jacob and Joseph. But one thing stands out to me, and I think that one of the things that, that God wants us to get in this is, is something I put in your notes, and it's this. All of God's promises are sure. 
All of God's promises are sure. They said, I, don't, I didn't see that in the Scripture. We're, 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 we're talk about that. No, no, no. We'll get into a little bit of, of, of that. We've already talked about it a little bit along the way. We talked about it last week. God had already promised. God said to Abraham, I'm going to take you down to Egypt, and I'm going to make you be captive there for 400 years, but I'm going to make you a nation, and I'm going to bring you out, and you're not going to lose your identity as my people, even after 400 years of bondage. And so when Isaac doesn't go down to Egypt, but now Jacob is commissioned to go down to Egypt because his son is the governor there. It's like, how in the world could anybody have ever seen this? Nobody could have. Nobody could have ever seen how, even though God promised it, it wasn't experienced until Jacob comes along. And not only just Jacob, but Jacob later in his life. Look how many people are in his family now, including himself, 70 people. It's not like he was a young man. He was about ready to die. And that's what he says. Now that I've seen my son, now I can die. Now I'm, now I'm at peace. J- Jacob was an old man. Think about that. His whole life and for over two decades thinking, I mean, Joseph was the one. Joseph was the one that God was supposed to do this work through. Jacob was chosen. He says that. Esau have I hated, which means refused in, in light of Jacob. And so Jacob, have I loved? Jacob is the one that I have chosen. I've embraced. He's the one that I'm going to bring this nation up through. And so here you go. You got Joseph. He's out of the picture for over two decades. And God's promises probably begin to look a little dim to Jacob, right? As he's getting older, Joseph's not around. Joseph was the one. Well, what about God's promises? Did God break his promise? Did How's God going to complete his promise if God's promises are sure and I was the one and Joseph's the one Joseph's been dead so again you can imagine first of all when he hears that Joseph's alive that's a life-changing experience but the moment that he actually wraps his arms around his son that was dead to him all of the promises of God came flooding forward with this one moment of confirmation and I, I love that because that's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, is when God confirms his promises. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church. And he says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, we, we talked about him, we proclaimed him. It was not yes and no, it wasn't in between, but it was always, in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus That's why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Because all of God's promises, all all of what God does, is consummated, is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the absolute confirmation of all of God's promises. That's what he says. All of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. I love that. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us. His guarantee, his, his earnest, his down payment on our souls and giving us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, again, as that earnest payment. So again, when we think about, does God ever renege? Does God ever change his mind? Does God ever not keep his promises? And the answer is no, God always keeps his promises. All of God's promises are sure. And so for, for us as the people of God, that's like a treasure trove. What are the promises of God? We've got to find them in God's word. We've got to know what they are because they are given to us. They are, 
exceeding and precious and great promises. I mean, they are, they are amazing things that God has given to us as his people. And again, when we look at this story, and Joseph is, is, is that confirmation of what God promised so many years before. But if mankind was going only off of what they felt, and mankind was going only off of what they were experiencing in the moment, how much doubt do you think they had in God's promises? How much doubt do you think that Jacob had if he was only going off of what he felt, if he was only going off of what he experienced versus standing on the promises, versus standing on the truth of God's word? I would say a whole lot of question and a whole lot of doubt. The same thing happens to us today. If you don't know what God has promised in his word, if you're not standing on his promise, you don't know what he said in his word, then you will be like a, 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 a reed in the wind shaken. You'll be like the, the chaff that's blown back and forth by the wind. Your circumstances will change, and so your emotions will change. Your decisions will change. Your life will be on sinking, sinking sand. But man, if you know God's promises, if you know him and you know his promises, then you can be on that rock that never moves. You can have that firm foundation. I shall not be moved. And so again, I love this. Everything that Jacob has experienced up to this point, his failures, his losses, his sadness, his questions, but even on the flip side, the promises of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, all of his whole life now is an old man all of this stuff, all consummated and confirmed in this one reunion with his son, Joseph. See, in this reunion, again, God confirms the promise that he had made not to his dad, but to his grandfather. Think about that. I don't have any um, earthly, uh, this, is not, uh, this is not a complaint, but I don't have like any rich relatives that I know of that, that's, that's waiting to, to hand down this, these amazing inheritances in this earth. I don't have land somewhere. Don't have, you know, oil rig, nothing like nothing, nothing to think about. And so, but there's some of you that do. Some of you have that, or some, you know somebody that, man, they their family owned this much land, or this family owned this many oil wells, and, and that's that's going to them, or that's coming to them, whatever. And so it's a matter of waiting, a matter of, of, of just entering into that. For for Joseph, for Jacob, he had nothing other than what God had told his grandfather. No assurance, no deed, no, no promise, no, nothing legally written down. Uh, for, well, this is what I'm going to get one day. This is, how God, this, is, this is the blessings we're going to live with. One. He didn't have anything other than what God had promised and what God had said to his grandfather Abraham. What Isaac had told him, God promised. And then what God directly told Jacob himself, it was simply God's word. That's what he had. And guess what? God didn't fail him in his word. Again, this, this right here is a confirmation of what God had said. It wasn't necessarily in Jacob's time. It wasn't necessarily how Jacob thought it would be. Well, I thought it would be back in, in our land. Why, I didn't know that I was going to actually see him in a different land, let alone Egypt. I'm so thankful, though, for a God who still gives confirmations to his people today. God confirms his promises over and over. And the amazing thing about that is this. God doesn't have to do this. 
God doesn't have to confirm any of his promises with us. He's God. He simply has stated his word. He has given his promises. And he doesn't have to confirm anything with us. But he does it so often. I believe just as a gracious reminder that he does keep his promises. What's something that you can think of right now that God has given us as a confirmation of his promise that he has made? Something that we often see. What's something that, that, that God has given us a confirmation of, of his promise? Rainbows. Yeah, we don't have to think very long. Right? We know. God's word said it. I've done this, and I'm not going to do it again, and this is what I'm going to do to give you a confirmation of my promise. And so even though it may seem like it's going to flood, the whole earth's not going to flood. And every time that we think, man, we look up in the sky, there's a confirmation. I'm not going to flood the earth again. Again, the question is, does God have to do this, though? Does he have to? Does he have to show us? Does he have to remind us? Does he have to confirm with us? And again, I would say, once again, based on his divinity, again, as God, the answer is absolutely not. God doesn't have to do anything. God, God is God. I mean, he can do whatever he chooses to do, and it's right because he's God. And so based on his divinity, God doesn't have to give us confirmations of his promise. God doesn't have to give us confirmations in our walks of faith. God doesn't have to do anything like that. But I will say this, based on his paternity, in other words, the fact that he is our father, our heavenly father, he has this relationship with us. I believe that God, I believe that God does desire and therefore does give us confirmations of his promises. One thing about God's confirmations, though, is, is this. They're not always guaranteed. And that is, can be the difficult thing in our lives. So we, we, we can read what God promises in his word, and we can know what he says in his word, and we can desire to say, God, if you'll just confirm this. You, you say in your word that this, this, your hand will not be shortened. God, you, you, you tell us that you will not let evil go on. You, you tell us that there's no weapon formed against us that will prosper. God, you tell us in your word, on and on and on, we say we all these promises, all these truths that we know God has given us. And, and so sometimes we're in such a desire uh, a desirable place of that confirmation. But we need to remember that confirmation is not what, what's guaranteed to us. The promises are guaranteed. They're written down. But when God confirms something, that's just out of his grace and his love and his mercy and out of his wisdom too. Sometimes we have his promise, his word, his truth, and that's enough. That's it. That's enough. And God knows that's enough. Because he knows, I believe, at times that if we, were in, if we were only relying on those moments when God would confirm something he's already told us, then we would become less likely to walk by faith and more likely to walk by sight. Right? That was Gideon's problem, right? That was Gideon's problem. Gideon said, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, then I'm going to put this out there. Everything around is going to be wet with that fleece. God says, okay, oh, ye little faith. So I said, yeah, but God, that, God, Gideon did it, and, and, and God did it. God confirmed it. So that's an example for us. So we need to put that west fle wet fleece out there. No, 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 missing the point, missing the story. Gideon didn't need to do that. God had already told him. It was Gideon's weakness. It was his lack of faith that he said, God, and God in his grace 
God, and, and, and I believe giving us an example even thousands of years later, did that confirmation to show you should have trusted my word in the beginning. I'll give you the confirmation, Gideon, but you're, you're being weak and trusting, trusting me. I've already told you what I was going to do. I already told you what I could do. You just needed to trust me, and you didn't. So in my grace, I'm going to confirm what, what, what you're seeking. And again, I believe that sometimes God does that, but there's times that God doesn't give us that confirmation. We simply know what he says in his word. We know what we should be doing in our life. And he doesn't give us the confirmation because, again, he knows where we're at. The just shall live by faith, not by sight. We start going on those confirmations. Well, the last time that I was praying about something, I asked God to show me and, and, and reveal it to me and confirm it to me, and, and he did. It happened just like this. But, man, I've been praying this time, and God's not showing me anything. Maybe that's because last time you were only relying on that confirmation, that wet fleece. Maybe God just wants you to say, you said it in your word, so this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to believe, and this is how I'm going to act. So when God confirms a promise, it's an extra special blessing because his promises, again, are yes. All his promises are yes in Christ. I mean, he, he confer, he's already confirmed his promises through Jesus Christ. We have every promise guaranteed to us that's written and contained in the word of God. That's why it's so important for us to know what the promises of God. We sing the song sometimes, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Standing on the promise. What promises? Do you know? Do you know the promises of God? Know them. Find them. Know what God has promised. Stand on those promises. But when God gives us that confirmation, beyond the promises that are already written, beyond his word, beyond his truth, then God gives us that, that confirmation. I believe it's like a little extra squeeze in that warm embrace from him as our father. You, know, you have your, your kids, and sometimes my girls come up to me and they just put their head on my shoulder and, and just put my arms around them, just hold them for a minute. I used, used to hold them like this, you know. And, that, and now I hold them while they're standing. And Right before we, we, we disengage that embrace, usually I just give a little, you know, just, mm, just that last little squeeze. And I believe that's similar to what God does when he confirms something in our life. It's like a loving father wrapping his arms around us. And we know he loves us. We know it's true. We know it's going to happen. And it's just like him going, I'm showing you, yes, this is what it is. The life point this morning is God's promises are sure. And man, his confirmations are sweet. His, his promises are sure. You don't have to doubt them. If you find them in God's word, they're going to be true. Even though they might happen or come to pass the way or when we think they will, they will always come to pass. His promises are always sure. And his, his, his confirmations, when he confirms something, it's just extra sweetness on top. Cherry on top, if, they, if you will. I can't count the many times that God has confirmed something through prayer. I can't, I can't count the many times that God has confirmed something through somebody else. I can't count the many times that God has confirmed something with bringing to pass something that you can't orchestrate. God confirms things in our church all the time. Right, Sunday school teachers? People go to Sunday school? I mean, sometimes y'all are teaching, preparing, and people are going, and sometimes things just happen almost 
like God said, I'm going to give the, the, the pre-lesson and I'm going to give the lesson and I'm going to make both of them one lesson and one, you know? And it's like, wow, God obviously is trying to say something to our church. Sometimes, you know, Brother Jeffrey will be preaching in the, in the evening service or something and, and we haven't talked about what he's preaching or what I'm preaching or whatever and he's, he's been praying and preparing all week and, and, and then Sunday school happens, morning service happens and the evening service happens and it's almost like God saying, okay, I've got this big lesson for all of you today, you know? And again, just confirming over and over and over what he wants or what he has to say. And so with that, there's a couple things, and I'll be done this morning, what God's confirmation does. <clears throat> because again, we can get off with this. So, so let's, let's be clear. God has all of his promises already written down. There's, there's not new promise. God gave me a promise today um, in, in, in my prayer time. Not if it wasn't in here. <laughs> God's promises are written down. God's, God's word, it contains his promises. And so if you feel like you got something else outside of scripture, you better go back and talk to him again. Because <laughs> this is where his promises are. He's given us his word. He's preserved his word. He's promised to preserve his word. He's given us his truth. You want to know what God has to say about things? He's written it down. You want to know what God, again, his promises are. He's written them down. And so this is where you find the promises of God. But there are things, again, along the way that God gives. He gives peace. His spirit confirms it. Other people, again, he, he may say, other people may preach or teach or come to you and say, you know what, God's put it on my heart. You know, I just want to encourage you, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, I've been praying. I've not told anybody. You know, that's amazing. You know, I, I, I've been praying about going on the mission, this mission trip. Or I've been praying about giving to this. And, and somebody comes and says, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Yes, I've been praying about that. Again, God confirms some things. Again, so how do we know? Here, this is what I'm getting to in your notes there. How do we know it's God's confirmations and not the enemy, right? Because that's the danger. Sometimes we, 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 we're looking for something that we think is of God, and the enemy knows that we're looking for something by sight. And so the enemy's like, this is easy. You know, I mean, they're not trusting in God's word. They're not looking to go off of his word. They have these desires in their heart, which the heart is desperately wicked, and, and it's deceitful above all things. Remember that. So our feelings can pull us astray. So that's why we need to line up our lives with God's word. The enemy knows, man, they, they want this to happen in their life. They want that house. They want that land. They want that boat. They want that job. They want that money. They want that this. They want that relationship. They want that. They want all these things. And in and of themselves, some of those things may not be wrong. But where, where it begins to conflict with God's word or, or us fulfilling God's word or fulfilling God's uh, commands or him, again, fulfilling his promises in our lives, that's where it is. And so we begin to seek confirmation. I really think this is what God wants us to do. And so, uh, man, we're just looking for a sign. Enemy's like, <laughs> easy money. Hey, I, I say that jokingly, but I can't count the many times it's happened. So many people wanting something so desperately. And all the enemy has to do is open a door. Well, God opened a door. Mm. I just would wonder if that's the God of heaven of the God of this world. Because the God of this world, God's enemy, Satan, will open doors all day long. If that's what we're looking for, 
Because that's what you got to do. You got to look and try those doors. Test the spirits. That door open? Okay, yeah. But does it line up with what God has commanded? Is it going to enable me to still serve the Lord? Is it going to enable me to still uh, serve others? Is it going to enable me to, to, to be who God's called me to be? Is it not going to take anything away from me, from, from me being who God wants me to be? Again, you got to try those things out. And so with so many things about confirmation that people can be confused about, I, I put down a couple of things I believe, according to Scripture, uh, we see historically and also in principle, but we also see in commands and that is this. So these are the things that God confirmation does. It lines up with his word and his promise. Every time. You can never, never worry about, you don't have to try to get there. You don't have to try to find a roundabout way to make it line up with God's word or his promise. If God is confirming something, it's clear it lines up with his word and his promises. If God's confirming this, then you'll be able to very clearly see it in scripture. God's confirmation lines up with his desires, therefore, his will. So if it's in his word, and if it's according to his word, then it's in his will. It's according to his desire. And so you, you'll be able to see that. And again, those are sometimes not necessarily spelled out in, in, in commands. Sometimes it's spelled out in principle. Sometimes it's spelled out in examples throughout Scripture. And so how do you know the heart of God? Well, you, you, you read in Scripture, and as best as humanly possible, you see not only in the commands of God, but also the principles that are contained there, what God desires of his people. And so when God confirms something, you know it lines up with his word, lines up with his will. It also advances his purpose and his mission. So whenever, that, that's one of those things where I go, God opened this door for, for us to, uh, to do this, or God, you know, God opened me to ha this door for me to have this job and this promotion Oh, really, what is it? Well, the only problem is, is I, we're not going to be able to go to church anymore. But God knows our hearts, you know? I mean, whoa, wait a second. Did God confirm that? Yeah, he opened the door wide open. My boss told me I was the only one for the job, and that's what I was praying for. Does that advance his purpose or his mission? Does it line up with his word, his commands, with his desires? Another thing you got to test is the, this, this confirmation, does it bring glory to God? See, again, that's sometimes what we, well, you know, I'm, I, I, I was asking God, I was seeking confirmation. If I was supposed to do this at my job, do this with my business, do this with, my, with this relationship, and, 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 and man, God showed up and, and, and showed me this. But the only thing is that now I'm in this situation. Oh, that's not good. Does not bring glory to him. I wouldn't say that that was God confirming anything. Amen. Carried out by his spirit is the last one. God's confirmation is carried out by his spirit. Again, God's spirit and God's word never contradict each other. If you're a child of God, you have the spirit of God inside you. If you are hiding God's word in your heart, like it tells us in Psalms chapter 119, then those two will never conflict. Those two will never cause us to be at unrest. They will be at peace when we are in the will of God. When we are doing what God's called us to do, we have the Spirit of God in us who gives us peace, and we have the Word of God that is supposed to dwell in us richly and into all wisdom. And so again, when we have those things at play, his, his confirmation is carried out by His Spirit. It's always in line with His Word. Never contradictory. And so on the flip side, is this, what God's confirmation doesn't do. It doesn't line up with this world. When God gives a confirmation, it doesn't necessarily make sense in this world. It doesn't necessarily open a door in this world. Uh, that, again, it doesn't, 
it doesn't line up with this world because there's, we've got two different countries. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're not of this world. Many times when God says, I, I'm going to do something, again, it all has to do with his eternal purpose. We're in a temporal world. We live in this world. And so there are things that absolutely have to do, but it doesn't necessarily line up with this world. Maybe the better uh, word there is world system. World system. It doesn't line up with our desires and wills. Again, sometimes we want things that are outside of God's will, outside of God's word, and we're praying for them, and we're wanting them, and we're saying, God, you tell us that if we delight ourselves in you, that you'll give us the desires of our heart. But that's the thing, delight yourself in him. Don't delight yourself in that job. Don't delight yourself in that money. Don't delight yourself in that stuff. Don't delight yourself in any of that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and all of a sudden you'll find that his desires become yours. And as you begin to call out to him with those desires, he says, yes, that's my will. That's what I want. Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. And so again, it doesn't line up with our will and our desire. It doesn't advance uh, our purpose because all of our plans, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. All of our plans fall short. All of our lives are like the flowers, the Bible says, that fade away. Appear for a little while and fade away. And so when we say, well, this is what I want, and God does something to confirm something, or we think it may be God's confirmation, we've got to be careful. If it's not what is going to bring God's glory, advance his purpose, it's probably not God's confirmation. And again, it doesn't bring glory to anyone but God. And many times that confirmation is carried out in the flesh. And that's what I said. Sometimes you've got to explain. Sometimes you've got to get there. And you've got, to, you've got to operate in the flesh to make it be a confirmation of God when it's not. Again, there's a warning with all of this, though. As I said, Gideon missed it because he had a weak faith. He, so he asked for a sign. Jesus gives a warning in the New Testament to two groups of people who were absolutely not trusting him by faith. First to the Pharisees, Matthew chapter 12, and then to the Sadducees in Matthew chapter 16. He tells them the same exact thing. You can read it when you get an opportunity. Matthew chapter 12, you can see his response to the Pharisees. And then you can tell him, because they asked him the same thing. Hey, give us a sign. Show us that you really are who you are. Sadducees, same thing. Matthew chapter 16, verse 4. Wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Why? Why did Jesus say that? Because of what Paul said. All of God's promises are yes in him, in Jesus. God's word is enough. He is enough. If God said it, we can trust it. That's it. Sometimes in our, in our, in our fleshly and worldly experience, we want more. And, and, and what are we saying about God's word when we, we say we want more? That it's not enough. That what God has declared is not enough. If we can't trust all the works and promises of God that have already been accomplished with man for thousands of years, we are the one with the flaw, not God. We are the, if we can't say, look, at the volume of all that God has done for all of mankind's history, even leading up to the, the, the moment that I got saved and my life was changed, all the works of God are obvious. And if I need something else for God to show me, I'm the one with the flaw, not God. Again, where we get off is asking or seeking something that we don't have a biblical directive or a command for. If you're in fellowship with the Lord, 
The Bible says that he gives a peace that passes understanding. It comes from him. Even when you're facing the darkest time, this last scripture, remember this. You can be facing the, the worst time. You can be facing the darkest time. You could be seeking an answer, desperate for God. You need him to show you. You need him to direct you. You need him to help you. Listen, remember this scripture, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I won't lack anything. He, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy. He was assured, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, this morning, we still know God with, with that, with the fact that God is with us, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he always will keep his promises, that all his promises are yes in Jesus Christ, that he has never failed us, he will never fail us, that he can never fail us. He is that good shepherd. With all of that, the amazing thing this morning that I want us to take away from this is, is that God still confirms things for us all the time. He still confirms things. He doesn't have to. With all these amazing truths, he still will do it. He'll still give confirmation. I think about this morning, and I ask you, are, are you seeking God for something? Are you seeking direction? Are you seeking an answer? Are you seeking help? Are you seeking an open door? Are, is there something going on in your life that you're praying about and you need an answer? God, I really need to know. There's a promise that you can boldly access his throne because of the blood of Jesus. That's a promise. So you said, yeah, I don't have the answer yet. I don't see the open door. You still have open access to the throne of Almighty God. That's a promise. Keep going to him. Why? Because the, there's other promises like seek and you will find. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and it will be open unto you. There's no time frame. There's no, again, it doesn't line up with our will, but these are promises. So maybe this morning you just needed to be reminded of God's goodness in confirming his promises. Maybe you needed to be reminded that if God promised something, he will keep it. Maybe this morning you're going through something in your life and you forgot that you actually have a good shepherd. That even though you may walk through the valley of shadow, the shadow of death, he's still with you. Maybe you need to be reminded of that this morning. Maybe you needed to be reminded that you don't have that answer, you don't have that direction, you don't have that open door, but his rod and his staff are there to still comfort you. That he still can prepare a table before you in the midst of your enemies. Maybe you need to be reminded that his promise is still true, that anybody can come to him who are, who's weak and heavy laden, and he'll give rest. Maybe you need to hear that God loves you. Maybe you're here this morning and you didn't realize that God loved you. Maybe you, need to be, maybe you need to hear you came here today and you didn't know that God loved you and he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. Even though he committed none, he died a death that you and I deserve. He died and he was put in a grave and three days later he rose again so that he alone can offer life. Out of all the many people who have claimed to be able to save people, Jesus is the only one who actually can. 
because he was the sufficient sacrifice and he rose from the dead and he's alive today to give you life if you ask him for it. Maybe you came here today and you didn't know that God did that for you. He did. 2,000 years ago. He did so that you wouldn't have to spend an eternity in a place that he has prepared for his enemies. A place the Bible calls the lake of fire. For all of eternity, there will be no hope, there will be no rescue, there'll be no breaks. It'll be an eternal torment for all of God's enemies. And if you don't accept that sacrifice of Jesus, if you don't trust him with your life, if you don't turn to him and say, God, save me, forgive me, then you are on that opposite side still. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that condemnation is still on your head. And the only way to get out of that condemnation is to trust Jesus Christ for salvation alone. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. And so you can do that. Today can be the day of salvation for you. You can, we'll have two ministers. You can come down here. They'll talk to you and show you in Scripture everything that I just said about what God did for you. And so I don't want to be in front of people. We'll take you to the side. If you're, if you're a man, we'll take another man, and, and y'all can talk in private. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady, and, and y'all can talk in private, and you can, you can make that decision to trust Jesus Christ today. You can walk out these doors. You could have walked in, lost, on your way to hell, and today you can walk out knowing that heaven's going to be your eternal home. And so I encourage you to do that in this time of invitation. But if you're a child of God already, if you've already done that, man, just remember that God's promises are sure. Trust them. Know them. Maybe there's an encouragement today. So you know what? I'm not in God's word enough to know what his promises are. So I don't know how to pray to, to stand on God's promises. Maybe that was the encouragement or the conviction or the challenge today. Know what God's word is. Know what his promises are. So you know how to pray. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your word and this challenge, this, this encouragement, this comfort, Lord. We thank you for the confirmations of your promises, Lord. We know that you don't have to give us confirmation, that your word is enough. You've written it down. You've, you've given us your word. You've preserved it for thousands of years, and it's enough. But God, you are so merciful. You're so gracious, and you give us those confirmations that line up with your word, that point us the direction of your will, that help us know what direction to go sometimes, what decisions to make. And again, they always line up with advancing your cause. Lord, we ask that you would help us with all this this morning. Again, if there is somebody here that's lost, they've never, they didn't, maybe they came this morning and they never heard that you loved them. Maybe they only thought you were a, a judgmental God looking to, to hurt everybody. And they never knew that you actually died for them. Lord, if there's somebody here that's like that, I pray that their life would be changed today. They, they, they would accept that free gift that only you offer. Or ask you to just move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.